You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review's senior editor, Daniel Horowitz. And along with co-host Joe Koss, they break down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering The Conservative Conscience. And welcome back to The Conservative Conscience. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz. Late Thursday here, January 12th, and yes, we are here to cut through the half-truths, the lies, the hot air, the smoke, and I must say, you know, I'm having a difficult time finding the ability to do this all in a half an hour. Um, there, There's too much disingenuousness, there, there are too many lies, there's too much garbage to cut through, and today I want to cut through the core of what we've been talking about, really the last couple podcasts, certainly all the ones since 2017 began, which, gosh, it's only 12 days, but it seems like it's 12 months already. This year already seems tiring. I'm worn out already. Um, but the more things change, the more things seem to stay the same. And instead of draining the swamp, the swamp winds up draining the resolve of our movement, our very small diminishing movement of conservatives. And I want to make it very clear, this goes beyond my concerns about Trump, although, you know, once again, I fear that they are being proven correct. But it cuts to the core of the systemic problems in our government, that it's not a personnel problem. The entire system is broken. Um, I, I don't see how people don't understand that. And, and to a large extent, that's why people voted for Trump, and I hope to God, you know, we can make some sort of a difference. But the reality is, I don't know how we make that difference. I just don't know. I, I, I'm growing tired, folks. I really, really am. Um, you know, tweet me at Arm Conservative. Keep sending me your notes. It really helps. Um, you know, any ideas you guys have, I, I appreciate it. I usually read most of them and we need a movement. And, and the biggest thing I get asked is what are we supposed to do? And I don't know, you know, I'm an ideas guy. I try to think of different ideas. I think for, for a starter, um, you, you should take my writings, take some of the talking points I have in a lot of these issues and, you know, if you're listening to this, you are more educated on politics, on policy, on what's going on directly in real time more than almost anyone in the country. So you take this directly to your member of Congress, to your senator, especially if you have a Republican, um, and, and cut through their lies. Cut through. And, and, and again, a lot of this is not even a matter of lies. A lot of them are uninformed. But I want to go through why I'm getting a very sick feeling I feel awfully lonely. You know, everyone's pretty excited about the inauguration. And again, I hope and pray that things will change. But I'm going to give you a number of observations throughout this week from different things we're seeing from Republicans, from the Trump transition, from a lot of the personnel we thought were really good, but some of what came out during the confirmation hearings, that it's all pointing to one sign that we're not even draining the swampiest part of the swamp. And it's really same old, same old. Last couple of times we spoke about Obamacare, and I want to open up with Obamacare, but then move on to some other issues. 
and use that to explain why we never get Republican policies out of Republican governance. We get the same old. And we explain that a lot of it is rooted in the fact that Republicans don't share our values, they don't understand our values, they don't understand policy, they don't understand the issues, they don't understand the processes. Um, and then, you know, given that politics is so confusing, they use it to confuse everyone. And no one realizes that they're screwing us until it's too late, except for a couple people. That's why we started Conservative Review here. That's why we have CRTV. But then it's also because of the broken political barometer. Barometer. These people have no sense as to what is a winning issue. I'm literally telling you, members are are, are are being confused here. They're saying, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, we cannot, we cannot um, get rid of Obamacare. We just can't. We can't. Uh, all the people are going to get be thrown off insurance. Like, what? People, people are right now being thrown off. People right now can't afford what they're um, being sold. The entire market is frozen up. There, there's never a greater winning issue. But they don't understand the complexities of healthcare. I've been spending hours up late until to, to late in the night trying to work on ideas to give it over to people, give it over to members and staff, and and make this this battle. Um, I, I care about the country. This is why I do it. I mean, I'm, I'm speaking later today with the staff of another Senate committee to try to help them on another issue. I, this is not my job. I, I don't get paid to do this. I could just be a commentator and write and say my views and go home. But I, you know, I want to make a difference like everyone else. Otherwise, I would have done something else for a living. But that's the point. Just like doctors, they, you know, with notable exceptions, they're good at what they do. Engineers are, they know what they, what, what their field is. A lawyer is good at what he does. An accountant is good at what he does. Um, a nurse is good at what she does. I mean, you go into a profession, you get competent about it, and you know it, and you you know execute your job properly. Politics is different. Most people in politics don't know what the heck they're talking about. They don't understand the art of political warfare. They don't know anything. And this is how we have all these people. Oh, man, this guy's a great military general. This guy's a great businessman. Let's go have him do this job in politics. And the guy sucks. And it's not because he's not a bad guy or an impressive guy, a guy who certainly has a lot more of an impressive resume than someone like me. But the difference between someone like me and them is that I am experienced in political warfare. I understand what's going on. And you need a fighter in political warfare. Otherwise, you can't even fight the most obvious fights. And that's what we're seeing now. Of all people, I had very low expectations, as you well know. I mean, this is more or less what I predicted. But there's certain basic elements that we expected to get out of Republicans controlling the White House, House, and Senate. There's certain basic things we expected. And we're not getting them. And, and like I said, first and foremost, that's with Obamacare. Because they just don't understand it. They don't understand it. They don't understand it's a winning issue. And they allow the Democrats to define the political landscape. This is what happens. No matter how radical, no matter how illogical, no matter how extreme and revolutionary an idea you know, emanating from the Democrats is, Republicans will just take it as face value. They'll agree to 90% of the premise, agree to their talking points. They'll get up there and start you know, preemptively sabotaging our messaging. And yeah, then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and you lose the issue.
And this is what we're seeing right now in Obamacare. I, I, I just, I can't understand. Man, we need a replacement. It's like saying, I need to replace cancer. I need to replace a fire. No, you need to get rid of it. Now, yeah, there are things that you have to talk about. That's why I call it repeal, reform, and restore. It's not repeal and replace. There's no aspect of Obamacare that needs to be replaced. Indeed, it cannot and must not be replaced because that is what is ensuring insurance goes, goes up. You know, my, my, my dad was telling me, I, I was speaking with him about some of this and some of the ignorance of a lot of members, and he was saying, you know, they shouldn't have to know anything about this. This is why we believe, I mean, the federal government shouldn't be involved in this. And I'm like, dad, you're right. But, you know, the problem is it's it, the ship already sailed. And, you know, it's people like us are trying to do as best as we can to, you know, and as much as everyone thinks I'm this extremist, we're, we're being very pragmatic, trying to compromise and um, understanding that you're not going to roll back the entire Leviathan, you're not going to roll back all of government intervention to healthcare, and but how to do it as as sanely as possible, um, and understanding the market, and and this is the thing: the members are very overwhelmed. You know, individual, particularly House members, but even Senate members, they have relatively small staffs. They don't have the knowledge. They don't have the time. They're busy, you know, getting reelected. They're busy on their constituent work, their committee work. So that work doesn't really overlap with the minutia of the political, policy, legislative, budgetary processes of Obamacare, of immigration, of, you know, all these cabinet officials and what their views are and what's going on in foreign policy. They really have a very 30,000 foot view. I mean, the more I go through it, the more I'm shocked at how little many of them know or understand on, on a, just a basic level. But it makes sense. So you rely on a leadership structure that fights the battles for you. Well, for the Democrat Party, it works. They share their values and they fight for the most extreme liberal ideas. We have a Republican leadership that doesn't share our values. So the, the rank and file conservative members are left to their own devices to try to fight. And they're just so overwhelmed. And that's how you have so many disparate opinions. They don't speak with one voice. And, you know, the whole Obamacare thing is a dumpster fire. And like I said, it's not that hard. I mean, I got a bill, my credit card for the month of December, spilling into the first couple of days of January. Um, that's how my monthly payments go. I got a, I, I had $3,200 worth of premium expenditures for health insurance premiums to Blue Cross Blue Shield. $3,200. Now, again, let me just caveat. $1,200 of it was a mistake. They double billed me. Um, and then, you know... Because we switched to a new policy for the next year, they make you prepay. So it was two payments in December. Presumably, you know, unless they make another mistake, I'll, I won't have to pay till February. So I won't have anything in January. But I'm just trying to bring out that point. I used to pay $425 a month for a very good plan. Family plan. I have a, you know, wife and three kids. And, and the fact that they made a mistake, by the way, is the point. They used to never make those mistakes. Now they're basically a GSE, a government-sponsored ent entity that is, is, is just, it's a disaster. Why don't they see this? Why don't Republicans understand? You're always going to have people on the other side. Oh, yeah, you know, if I have strong border security, if I have interior enforcement, the illegal immigration lobby will get upset. And God forbid, I'm not comparing people that, that get hit with very unfortunate situations with pre-existing conditions that weren't able to get it before, um, never had insurance and slipped through the cracks. They're certainly not like illegal aliens, but I'm saying you got to look broadly. And, and the only way to solve the problem, right, right now, that's not solving the problem. This is insolvent. Nobody is going to have insurance. You have to isolate and minimize the problem. And 
I'm going to stop there before I spend this whole time just on Obamacare. Um, refer back to last podcast, the many writings I have so far. I'm going to continue to update you on on just free market ideas, what they should be doing, um, and some of the just debunking some of the process lies, such as, oh, the insurance regulations can't be repealed through budget reconciliation. That is false. And then the excuse that, oh, no, but they can be repealed administratively. So don't worry about it. They cannot be repealed administratively. That is not true. It's written into statute. Um, so that's just that's just a bait and switch they're playing to fool members into supporting a phony repeal. But anyway, here we are. Obamacare was everything we dreamed of getting rid of. We're not getting rid of it. And I want to move on to some of the other issues that that they're observations that I only have. And let me know if I'm being a little bit too harsh as I go on. And maybe, nah, we'll see. They're just saying things and really things will get better. You'll see Republicans will fulfill their mandate. But let me make it very clear. I am under no illusion that we are going to return to the way the Constitution was supposed to be governed. Believe me, I'm under no illusion. Believe me, I'm under no illusion that we're going to roll back the Great Society. Um, you know, and, and, and that was something that Ronald Reagan was still litigating against in the late 80s. He still wanted to get rid of the entire premise of it. That is gone. Nobody's talking about that. Um, we're not going to balance the budget. <laughs> that, that is absolutely not happening. Um, we're not going to deal with entitlements and welfare. That is not happening. I mean, think about it. The, the, the one thing we did in an entire generation that we made such a big deal, expended so much political capital for, was the 1996 welfare reform. And it literally just modified didn't eliminate, modified one out of 77 means-tested programs. Um, now, it, it, well, it officially got rid of, um, uh, what is it, um, AFD, AFDC, um, and replaced it with TANF, so it was a bait-and-switch there. I'm not saying it was a bad policy, it was a good policy, but um, you know, then Obama gutted it, so we got nothing. We, we don't get any victories. So what happens is... This is the socialist ratchet that Margaret Thatcher spoke about so passionately, where um, basically Democrats are, or, or in her case, the Labor Party, they get in there, they just tilt the axis so far, tilt the switch, and when our guys get in there, they just advance it slower, or in the best situation, freeze it, but never roll it back, never roll back any inch of it, and then... Um, you know, when, when the Democrats or the left inevitably come back into power, they just pick up where they left and accelerate it even quicker than they did before. So, I mean, we're not doing any of that. But the one thing we promised ourselves is that some of the most destructive aspects of the Obama administration that we would carte blanche get rid of. Okay, we're not going to go back to even 90s era policies and spending levels, but at least the Iran deal, Obamacare, refugee resettlement, at least the added refugee resettlement, the illegal Obama amnesties, at least some of the transgender agenda and the the social engineering in the military. I mean, some of the basic things, some of the most radical, destructive things that there's a mandate to get rid of. We're not, we're not asking them to go after social security or welfare or we're not asking hard things. This is at its core what they're elected to do, and it is not happening. I want to get onto some of the hearings. I watched with Tillerson and and Mattis 
and even Sessions to a certain extent. And again, I, except for Tillerson, I don't like, but the other two, they're, they're great people. And, and, you know, Mattis is a great warrior. Sessions is a great conservative. It's not their fault, but the entire structure, what, what, what I heard at the hearings, I challenge anyone, especially on Tillerson and Mattis, to tell me what you would have heard differently from Hillary's respective state and defense nominees. I really don't know. Um, when, every time Democrats would ask a question, are you going to keep this? You know, the LGBT and the military and the women Navy SEALs and the, um, you know, the Iran deal. And, oh, yeah, no, 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 we're not changing anything. No, 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 we're going to work together. We're going to... What? I, I mean... I understand that confirmation hearings are kind of a farce and you want to just glide through. I understand you're not going to reinvent the wheel and this is why I can never do anything like that because I can't do anything but say what I really think, speak my mind. Um, I get it. But Republicans have the majority. Keep in mind, it's not like Democrats control the Senate and it's a tight wire balancing act for a Republican president. They, they have It's a narrow majority, but every Republican is going to vote for all these nominees. So you're not gonna you're not gonna lose the vote in committee. You're not gonna lose the vote um, on the floor. What is going on? What is going on? You know, Mattis, and again, he's a great military tactician and general. But does that mean he's gonna be a great fighter and clean out the culture at defense? Not necessarily. It just doesn't. I, I've been around politics enough to know it's a certain character trait. You would think on the surface. Well, if this guy could stand up to, you know, the terrorists, you know, God bless him. I mean, he's more courage than I'll ever have. But it, this is a different skill set, and you have to understand the issues. Lindsey Graham asked him directly, what's Israel's capital? And he, and he refused to say. And then he kind of said, well, the government now recognizes Tel Aviv, and that's what I – should we move the embassy? I didn't want to talk about it. Two-state solution? Well, unless someone has a better solution, that's what I support. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Um, Iran deal. He said he'd keep it. I mean, again, I am not saying, I'm not expecting them to come out and say Daniel Horowitz-style conservatism at a confirmation here. But that is a core, every Republican says it's a disaster. No, we are going to move away from it. Well, he said, we just have to make sure, you know, the parties keep to it. And we have to adhere to it. What do you mean we have to adhere to it? First of all, it was never ratified as a treaty. It's illegal. Under American law, current U.S. sanction laws are the law of the land. Number one. Number two, hello, have you not seen that Iran has already abrogated it every day? I, I mean, now you might say, well, he's just trying to glide through, but really he'll be very hardcore when he gets there. Maybe, maybe, but I don't know. I mean, you add up enough of these observations. You know, one of the things I loved about Mattis were his comments about women in combat, social engineering. And he was asked directly by um, the Democrat senators, like, do you walk this back? And he said, yeah, yeah, women are great. Yeah, yeah, women. I mean, even in special forces, he, he couldn't. And again, I don't expect him to get up there and say a Daniel Horowitz style thing, that a country that sends its women out to fight for itself, especially in infantry, is a country not worth fighting for. But you could at least just say, look, this has gone too far. The, the Marines have conducted a painstaking, expensive study, and they conclusively showed that it destroys unit cohesion. It destroys our our um, combat capabilities, our combat readiness. 
which was his whole point. Oh, that's all you have to say. And like, look, we got to look at this. But no, like made it very, no, we're not getting rid of any of this. The Democrats define the landscape. LGBT, LGBT, every second. And our guys agree to the premise. Um, you know, and, and again, I'm hearing a lot of silence on nothing on immigration. I'm not hearing anything about suspending refugees. I'm not hearing anything about getting rid of DACA. There's a lot of eerie silence. You know, even Sessions at the hearing was kind of like wishy-washy on getting rid of DACA. Um, and, and again, I, I certainly know where Sessions' heart lies, but I'm not trying to bash Sessions or bash Mattis even. But this is where I see the administration heading. I actually see a lot of Bush 41 foreign policy. Um, and then it, th- this comes, you know, at the backdrop of Trump evidently, now maybe this will turn out to be false, but several Israeli media outlets are reporting that he's walking back his ironclad commitment to move the embassy to Jerusalem. Now, I want to talk about that for a moment because it's more important than just the embassy of Jerusalem. It's a lot more important than that. It it gives you a glimpse into what is going to happen in our broader foreign policy and the mentality of Trump and this administration for domestic policy as well. And what I mean by that is this. If you understand everything that's happened in the Arab world, particularly in Israel, it is a reality, a learned behavior that the Arabs know that that they live by, as God told Ishmael, you're going to live by the sword. That we brandish our sword and the other side backs down, the West backs down. They, they pay the ransom every time. Do you want us to riot and do jihad? Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, Palestinian state, uh, two-state solution, Oslo. Uh. Right? I mean, this is how Israel was never created. Right? Israel, like I told you originally in that our, our, uh, um, our final podcast of 2016, where we laid out the whole history of the nation states in the Middle East post-World War I, Israel was originally what was supposed to have everything west of the Jordan and modern-day Jordan. Then the Arabs tantrumed, so they gave them Jordan. Then the Arabs tantrumed, and they just ran away and didn't let Israel take over anything. And they, you know, allowed the Arabs just to flood parts of, you know, Judea and Samaria. And and then they came in there and, you know, tried to annihilate Israel. They they kind of held their ground, but weren't able to take sovereignty over everything until the second round of annihilation when they won a major victory in 67 and then got back at least everything west of the Jordan River. Um, but the whole idea is, oh my gosh, the Arabs are going to riot if we do this. And we've been giving in to them. And we need to reverse course. No, Israel will annex Judea and Samaria. No, we are moving our embassy to Jerusalem. And you have to, you have to make the Arab street fear the American street. They need to fear us. And, you know, the Arabs started making noise about the moving the embassy, and they backed down. That is a very dangerous place. Is, is, that, is that the type of guy that's going to, um, you know, be unflinching in the war against uh, Sharia, Sharia Islam and terrorism? I don't think so. But moreover, it demonstrates my broader concern about someone who lacks an ideological rudder and is more or less just a businessman and a manager and a guy who's there for you know, self-aggrandizement and just, you know, just just likes the reality TV show of, of playing with the media, um, you know, you're always going to take the path to least resistance. 
And moreover, you're always going to accept the conventional wisdom about what is an easy and hard path. So if everyone in Washington is telling Trump, oh man, removing the embassy is like hell. Oh man, you can't shut off refugees. Oh, come on, you can't repeal the Obamacare insurance regulations. Oh, pre-existing condition. Oh my gosh. I mean, if you accept that, then yeah, I mean, we're not going to win on anything. If, if these guys cannot stand up there at the hearings, and again, I'm not expecting them to go hardcore during the confirmation hearing, but certain basic things of the Obama era that I thought we were, it was a no-brainer. This was what the elections held about. Yes, Obamacare, them say, Republicans say no Obamacare. Them say yes, Iran deal, Republicans say no Iran deal. Them say yes to open borders, Republicans say no to open borders. Um, Dem, Republicans are supposedly for family values, Dems are for decivilization values. But then when it comes to getting into power, I, I, look, I, I'll take a 50%. I'll take half a loaf of bread. I'll take a quarter of a loaf of bread at this point. But we get bupkis. And again, we're not talking about tough issues here. We're talking about issues the American public overwhelmingly wants to end the Iran deal. We, we, we can't have Mattis say, look, you know, we, we had an election on this. Trump is, we were very clear on this. We're, well, truth is Trump isn't clear on it, but the perception was he was. I, I don't know what to say. I mean, and even Jeff Sessions, you know, I know a lot of you had heartache when you saw the Democrats asked him, are Roe and Obergefell law of the land? And he said, yes, they're law of the land. And I understand you're not going to give over my whole thesis on the judiciary at a confirmation hearing, but did you have to use that term? Again, this is how Democrats win 50-year culture battles overnight. This is how they make the PLO seem mainstream and we're crazy. This is how they make transgenderism mainstream and we're crazy. This is how they make open borders mainstream and we're somehow the people off kilter. Um, this is how they go from, I mean, just five, six years ago, just four years ago, I would joke around with people as a way of a, illustrating the absurdity of the social engineering and the military. I would joke around about pregnant female Navy SEALs. And that is literally what we're talking about now. We're not even talking about um, you know, just conventional infantry units. We're talking about, Mattis couldn't even say, look, you know, I have concerns about special forces. Do you think women can't do it? Oh, no, 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 they could. Like, what? We, we can't even recognize that there is some difference between men and women when it deals with the most extreme stamina, strength um, things. I, I just, th this is what we're at. I, I don't understand. I can't relate to this. I can't find anyone who has these concerns. I'm like dialing on my phone all day, <laughs> trying to find some friends who work in this field. Like, hey, you know, I want to talk to someone about this. Are you seeing what I'm seeing? I mean, am I missing something? A couple of these things you could, you could explain away, but when you put this entire picture together, it is very, very disturbing. When you can't get what's regarded as the toughest, most right-wing guy there as defense secretary to get up there and say Jerusalem is the eternal capital of Israel. I mean, even some Democrats officially say that. Is it that hard? Like I said, I mean, Mattis is an amazing general. But in defense, together with Tillerson at state, I'm really starting to see a Bush 41 mentality on a lot, a lot of issues. Really, really disturbs me. But this is where we're at. You know, I feel like 
if you remember, and if you heard me on radio, you probably heard me say this analogy, but the 1993 Super Bowl, when the Dallas Cowboys were crushing the Buffalo Bills, and they were going to win anyway, but at, towards the end, the second half, Leon Leck picked off an interception, started running the other way. Around the five-yard line, he started doing a dance, and he thought he had it in the end zone, and you know, Buffalo Bills, uh, I believe it's a tight end, wide receiver, I forget, Don Beebe comes along and strips the ball out of his hand. And he loses the touchdown. It was a touchback. And uh, that that's kind of how the conservative movement is right now. Man, we're changing. Oh, my gosh. We're away from Kerry and Obama. And we're all on to the promised land. And next week's going to be really exciting. And I can't wait. And Obamacare is going to be repealed. Oh, this is the, you know, morning in America. Uh, actually not. Not unless you demand and ensure of change. That's just how it is. And to tell me that, oh, it's better than Hillary would have been or better than Obama. I mean, dude, if, if, if that's all we aspire to, I mean, that in itself is how you lose 50-year culture wars overnight. When you accept that premise that, yeah, it's just that last tranche, you know, 50 different tranches, premises. Number 50 is where we disagree with the all 49, so I'm slightly, slightly to the right of him. This is where we're at now. Anyway, we're out of time, folks. We'll have a lot more on all of these details, um, some of it in writing, some of it on our next podcast or videos. Tune into CRTV. Get your subscription, 99 bucks a, uh, a year, no commercials. Also, go to preparewithcr.com. Patriot Supply, they have 140 meals for 99 bucks. You always want a Patriot Supply in your home. Thanks for listening as always. God bless. Enjoy your weekend. This has been another episode of The Conservative Conscience.